0: Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes, Service Academy football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson and Bill Rowland.
1: Welcome into Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes is the name, and I'm Price Atkinson, and he is Bill Rowland. Yards and Stripes is your home for Service Academy football. And Bill, we have a, had a rough weekend last weekend. We're going to get into it. I didn't know basketball season started so early uh, with the service academies. Um, we're going to talk about it. How are you, my man?
2: Things are good. Things are good. I know you're happy because your Braves are in the World Series, so that's always a good thing as far as stuff outside of service academy <clears> football. <throat> but I tell you what, you know, we talked about it last week with them uh, all taking on ranked teams, and we thought it yep. was going to be a rough weekend. But... You know what? It ended up being actually some pretty close games, and each one of these teams had a chance to pull off a victory. didn't happen, but they were all in their games for, I think, a lot longer in some cases than we thought they would be.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. They were three really good games. We're going to get into it here in just a second, but just a reminder, download, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts, just search Yards and Stripes and it will be delivered right to your smartphone, your laptop, your iPad, whatever it is you use, download, listen, subscribe, just search Yards and Stripes. Bill, let's get to it from last weekend and let's start. let's start up at West Point because that's where I did not know that basketball season had <laughs> cometh in mid-October as the number 16 Wake Forest Demon Deacons undefeated on the season. They remain that way. They go to Army and win a shootout 70-56 to 56 before a sold-out crowd at Mikey Stadium that saw that Black Knight 13-game home winning streak snapped and a third straight loss for the Black Knights. 70-56 one last time. Yes, you heard that right, folks.
2: Yeah, pretty impressive. Usually if you drop fifty six, you're probably going to win a football game most often, unless it's one of those crazy overtime games. But it was just a situation where no matter what Army did, they could not get that one key stop. And I give them credit because they hung in and they hung in, but they, you know, just couldn't keep up with Wake Forest, which I find that hard to believe that I'm even saying that for those of us that have been watching college football for that long that that Wake Forest is suddenly this offensive juggernaut, but you know they they went up and down the field, and and those people that were there at the game they got their money's worth because if you if they liked offense they got it, but just again a situation where you are a service academy, and as much as you may have a um, great offense and the ability to score. A lot of times that other team, when they're a power five school, they just have bigger, better, faster athletes. And I think you kind of (laughs) saw that on display Saturday with Wake Forest
1: and these are two teams Wake Forest and Army that you know feature really solid good defenses but yet the, these teams combined for 1233 total yards of offense just one punt in the game i believe i read it was the second highest scoring game ever involving an acc team you know but army rushed for a, a season high 416 yards but You know, you rush for 416 and have the ball for 42 minutes and 43 seconds. I thought one thing that just jumped off the page, Bill, the score, obviously, 70 to 56. And you mentioned it. I mean, it's just a shootout. You can't make a mistake. And that's what Army did with a couple turnovers. But 70 to 56. Wake Forest scored 70 points, and they had the ball only 17 minutes and 17 seconds. That is unreal.
2: Just lightning quick. It was just big plays. It would be three plays, 65, 70 yards in like a minute two or something like. I mean, you look up and down that box score and the drive chart, and it's just boom, 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 big play, big play, big play, touchdown. They weren't going to grind it out. They didn't need to. And they took advantage of what we've talked about in the past with Service Academy's uh, price is their ability a lot of times, especially in the secondary to cover athletes that are that fast and athletes that are that good. And it came back to haunt them in this game against Wake Forest. They just didn't have the guys that could keep up speed-wise with the Wake Forest, you know, running backs, receivers, et cetera.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And we're going to hear from Jeff Munkin in just a second. But you know, as we mentioned, uh, obviously the offenses jump off the page. Army fall into four and three now. Again, three straight losses after the Black Knights start the season four and zero. Oh. And the teams were Army never led in the football game, but they were really kind of going back and forth. But it was really, I think, an interception there in the third quarter where the Demon Deacons got some of the breathing room that they needed. Army kind of gambled a little bit, uh, brought in a quarterback for his first play of the season as a holder um, decide to go for it on fourth and five and it's intercepted return to the house for 83 yards to 14 point lead and when you're trying to keep up score for score you just can't stub a toe like that bill and that really was the separation in the game
2: yeah and Munkin talked about it after the game too that he felt like had they been able to score late and maybe get an onside kick that they would have been in I mean I guess he thought maybe they would get the game tied at 70-70. I don't know. I I just I was like listening to him. I'm like, I right, man, I don't know if that would have worked out. But they, you know, they got stopped a couple times. And as you said, that's all it takes when the other team is scoring at will, you can't stub your toe at all. And they had a couple of flubs here and there. As you mentioned, the turnover that got returned for a pick six. It's just a day that they'll look at the film and, and only look at maybe the offensive production because that was great. And the defense side, you just burn it and move on.
1: Here's what Jeff Munkin had to say after the game about this high-scoring shootout with the Demon Deacons. A, a really uh,
3: well-contested game. I mean, two teams were, were really playing hard. I, our defense played hard. We didn't play very well, but uh, but played hard. And there were some guys that made some really good plays on defense uh and played played good games on defense but certainly didn't show up in the score and uh we had our struggles with the with the rpo game that's so unique what they do it's good stuff was really pleased with the offense the way we move the football and we're able to score points
1: and that was Jeff monk in (laughs) there on his football team in this game up against the Wake Forest team and Deacons is Wake Forest now 7-0 to and they've got a whole lot on the table you know, a mid, kind of a, a mid-season really, you know, non-conference game. You don't see those quite that often, but, you know, we had it on Saturday and, you know, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman, he, he never, I mean, the Army defense never really was able to get to him, get those big plays his um, Hartman threw for 458, five touchdowns. Army did get it to within one with under right at about seven minutes left in the game but when they got it to seven hartman strikes again and it wasn't one of the five touchdown passes it was a run bill a seven yard touchdown run he does it with his legs and throwing the football um a total, I mean, just, I don't want to say domination, but you've got to be able to get off the field at some point. And really neither team, neither defense could do it. Because when you go 70 to 56, you got to get some stops. And it just wasn't the case for the Black Knights.
2: No, and, and you mentioned it, the 450-plus yards through the air, that that's always going to be a problem for service academy teams. And we've seen that all year long. We talked about it before Navy – played Memphis, that that was going to be a problem on a short week with a high-explosive type offense that liked to throw the ball. It didn't fit the profile of a possibility for a Navy upset. We saw they got they got blown out. When they played, and we'll talk about this game coming up, but you see Navy playing uh, number two Cincinnati who wanted to run the ball a little bit more. Well, Navy can stand up to that a little bit more than they could a, a, a big-time passing offense. Well, that's what you saw with Wake Forest and Army. His Army was going to be able to stand up to him if, if, if Wake Forest was like, okay, we're going to try to run for 200, 250, 300 yards. Army can stand up to that. They could not take the relentless pressure that Wake Forest put on them through the air, and it just, again, it snowballs on you, and they get confidence, and when your quarterback's standing back there in the backfield with a clean uniform, he feels great, and it just ends up being a monster day for them
1: you know you look at the numbers and army had to throw the football obviously a good bit to, to you know really kind of keep pace we know that the 416 yards on the ground bill but 179 yards passing you look down Isaiah Alston a receiver you don't see these numbers very often for an army receiver six catches 107 yards and two touchdowns Jeff Munkin on his receivers big day on Saturday he made some
3: great plays on on Saturday obviously the uh, the two touchdown catches and and really attacking the ball on the stop routes where, where we had action going one direction and the quarterback threw it back out there into the flat and he's single covered. I, I thought he did a really nice job catching the football and the one handed catch on the
1: uh on the touchdown. All right, that was Coach Munkin. And now with that bye week coming into play for the Black Knights, Bill, they're gonna have an off weekend this Saturday. As Air Force is. We only have one game that's coming up this weekend coming up, but obviously that Commander-in-Chief Trophy, that second installment that's coming up in a week's time, November the 6th, Army and Air Force both off before they're going to meet in Arlington, Texas. And I think that, Bill, that bye week comes at a perfect time as Army's now lost, obviously, three straight. Here's Jeff Munkin on the bye week, and what they kind of plan to focus on is they kind of reset and get ready for that all-important game against Air Force. I think our
3: emphasis is on trying to get back to our basics and make sure that, uh, there are things that you covered during preseason camp as a team and, and, uh, that we really emphasize from a fundamental standpoint and and maybe just our, our base offense and defense and, and building back up from that to, to try to get prepared for this, this back half of the season and and certainly the biggest game of the year we played so far.
1: All right, Army, getting the week off after a 70-56 to 56 loss to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. All right, Bill, let's pivot to Annapolis, another ranked matchup. This one, number two, Cincinnati coming to Annapolis. And this one turned some heads for a while, really, until that final horde sounded, Bill. But number two, Cincinnati, I don't want to say they survived, but they came in. It was it was a rocky performance for the Bearcats. But Luke Fickle's team, 27-20 winner over the midshipmen. Navy falling to 1-6 overall, 1-4 in, in the American Athletic Conference. The first time hosting a, a top five team since 1984. And I had several people text me, what the heck is going on? Looking, you know, looking at the score at halftime, a lot of people's heads were being turned. We're like, could this be the week that Cincinnati maybe finally stubs their own toe and gets knocked from the unbeaten? It didn't happen, but boy, was it a game effort, no quit in those midshipmen. They fought till the end.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, they they jumped out on top, seven nothing. It would have been even tied at ten at halftime, except Alex Bales, the Cincinnati kicker, drilled one from fifty two. At the horn, which I mean, you don't have very many college kickers that are banging things from 52 yards. So um, they they were up and then kind of pulled away from Navy in the third quarter, went up 27 to 10 going into the fourth, and you kind of figured, all right, here we go, and, and you had another you know 14 for Cincinnati. It's going to be 41-10, and everybody around the country is just going to yawn and say, ah, it's kind of what we expected, a, a you know, a 30-point blowout. Well, it didn't happen that way. Navy got themselves back into it. Now, the final touchdown came in the last minute of the game to make it 27-20, but yep. if Navy gets that onside kick, I mean, who knows? They still got to go 60 yards in 40 seconds and no timeouts, but it would have certainly been interesting to see them have one final shot. But, I again, I give them a ton of credit, not only for fighting the entire time in this game, Uh, that they did against Cincinnati, but the fact that they've continued to fight since they had such the horrible performance against Air Force, and now, as we said, outside of the Memphis game on that short week, they've played very well and been in every single game, even won the one game. I hope it continues for them. Um, Look, I'd love nothing more than for Army to beat Air Force and then Navy to turn around and beat Army, and they're all one and one, and we go, <laughs> nobody nobody has their dominance this year. Now, whether or not that happens, I mean, who knows, but that to me would be kind of the, the, the icing on the cake for everything that's going on, for Navy to be able to come back from losing the Air Force as bad as they did to then beating Army, and everybody ends up one and one on the year.
1: Here's what Coach Ken Niamatololo had to say afterwards about, you know, the fact that they've shown that they can play with just about any team and did for much of the game against number two Cincinnati.
4: You know, you can play with uh, the number two team. You know, you can play with undefeated SMU. You know, you can play with, you know, a one-loss Houston team, but you still lose. And so those are the things we've looked at, just uh, mistakes, how do we improve those How do we coach better? How do we get where we don't make those mistakes?
1: That was Navy head coach, Ken Yamatololo, and I completely forgot to to let everybody know at the outset Uh, of the episode here we're going to have navy play-by-play voice pete medhurst on he's going to join us here in just a little bit as bill and i talk with him about the midshipmen and things going on around the program the american athletic conference service academy football we're going to talk with pete medhurst coming up in just a, a few minutes bill um but cincinnati's big play offense it was not that you know they only averaged five uh about six yards a pass four and a half yards a rush Yes, two of their three touchdowns were big plays, but Navy kept them in check. And I think some of these were mistakes on Cincinnati's part. You know, 11 penalties for 93 yards, a couple a couple turnovers. Um, but the Mids did what they had to do. And obviously trying to, you know, get into the passing game where you got to throw 11 to 15. Uh, Lavatai did a great job, though, in the football, 116 yards. He did the one pick, but um, they just couldn't get the ground game going. Only 192 yards rushing. They needed to get more from, obviously, that triple
2: Option, yeah, no doubt. And and I thought defensively they did a real nice job on, on Desmond Ritter uh, again, pedest- yeah. pedestrian numbers for him 18 of 30, only 176. Did have the couple touchdowns, but they, they got interception, they sacked him the one time. Um, and and I thought they they held him in check from what he's been able to do so far on the season. Mm-hmm. So Uh, Really, really happy with the way Navy's defense played, despite, I mean, you look at it and say, how can you be happy getting up 27 points? Well, you gave up 27 points to the number two team in the country. That was a four-touchdown favorite. Again, there are no moral victories in this, but I think it is something that Navy can take. And and look forward to with their game against Tulsa and you know, games down the stretch, East Carolina, Army, et cetera, that their defense is starting to play a little bit better than it did at the beginning of the year. They have to be happy with that
1: yeah and while they didn't they only rushed for 192 you know mentioned they threw for uh, you know more than you, you don't want to have to throw the football as me upwards of 20 times a game like Navy had to do but like Kenny said we've got to be able to pass it but we need to do it on our terms not with what the game dictates and here's what he had to say about that
4: we always have to have that part of the offense like you said we can't get away from who we are though to have a chance to. If we threw the ball every down, I mean, it'd be tough on us, you know, for our team and for trying to play complementary football. But being able to throw on our terms has probably been the key. You know, if you can throw on our terms, if it's third and long in those kind of situations, it's, it's normally pretty tough for us. Being able to throw on our terms where, you know, there's still, you know, run pass, you know, options involved and they don't really know. I, I think we're, we're decent pass protectors, but if guys get to, you know, pin air back and, 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 rush the pass. Here. It's normally doesn't bode well for us. Again,
1: Navy falls 27 to 20, but in it till the end, Bill and Lavatai made a lot of plays with his arm, you know, did it with the running game, but really that arm kind of kept him in it. Like you said, it could, they have, they could have gotten that onside kick. Who knows what could have happened at the end of this one. And here's Ty Lavatai on, you know, finishing, trying to finish some of these games when they're getting oh so close, you know, in the fourth quarter.
4: I think for everyone, it's just finishing. We still have uh, games left to be played. And um, I mean, we all believe in ourselves
0: uh, on the team. We all believe in each other. and I think just the biggest part for us is finishing, knowing that when we play our, our football, our style of football, we can compete with anybody. I think just having a, uh, putting together four full quarters, not shooting ourselves in the foot is the biggest thing that we're trying to do moving forward. All right,
1: Bill, Navy going to have to turn the page pretty quickly as they're going to Tulsa this weekend. We'll preview that one with Pete Medhurst, again, the play-by-play voice of the midshipmen coming up, and we'll talk about it in our last segment. But we do have one more game, our last game of the week, Bill. Number 22, San Diego State Air Force, matching up in in Colorado Springs in the Aztecs, a huge Mountain West showdown. They come away with a 20-14 to win, over the... Falcons Air Force four game win streak snapped and San Diego State took taking full control now of the Mountain West Air Force still in it at three and two uh, in their division but it, it was a uh, game as advertised we knew that Air Force uh, San Diego State likes to run the football bill and they played damn good defense and they did it again on Saturday in both accounts
2: yeah and really uh, to me I'm gonna give their MVP to their punter because he was unbelievable in this game, I mean, Air Force a couple times defensively had them backed up inside their, you know, inside their 20, inside their 15 at one point, And he booms one out and all of a sudden you think, okay, well, Air Force should have this probably about the 40, maybe in midfield. No, no, no. they're backed up to their own 20, just flip the field on them a couple of times. And it really, I think demoralizing for Air Force at times. Now, I will say, I, I do Not like to judge coaches or second guess coaches at all because I'm not on the sidelines. I don't follow their thinking, but I'm watching this game and I realized it was a fourth and 12, fourth and 15, whatever it was, with under two minutes to go. And you're back inside your own 20, but you're down a touchdown and you only have two timeouts left. I did not understand Coach Calhoun punting that ball away. As soon as he kicked it away, he punted back to San Diego State. I said, this is game over. You just surrendered this game. And lo and behold, that's what happened. They never saw the football again. Again, I hate the second-guess coaches because I'm not in their meetings. I obviously don't know nearly the amount of football that Troy Calhoun does. But – I have played enough football, Price. I have been on the sticks playing Madden enough times that I understand <laughs> clock management. This was horrible clock management.
1: One thirty-five to go. You mentioned fourth and long at your own. I think like fifteen-yard line.
2: Yeah, I- odds are they're not. Odds are they're not going to get it. They're not going. They're probably not going to get it. But you can't give the ball back.
1: But you're probably definitely not getting the football back and you need a touch a touchdown would win it. You kick the extra point. That wins the football right? game. And you a minute thirty five to go, you kick it. Let's hear what Troy Calhoun said he punted the football and gave it back to San Diego State
0: with a minute and a half to go. Probably about forty seconds. With no timeouts too. If if you know thought was, you know, just where the ball was field position wise is maybe a punt it. If you get a stop, timeout, timeout, they're gonna punt it. Like I said, I think it'd be somewhere in the 40s. And uh, and I thought we were close a couple of times to blocking a punt. And I thought maybe with well, no timeouts, that maybe in terms of a pure field position swing, that was our best shot.
1: So you heard it from Coach Troy Calhoun right there. I still don't get it, Bill Roland. I don't understand why you give there's no difference in losing 27 to 14 versus 20 to
2: 14. An L an L. No, Give mean,
1: yourself a shot. He
2: he said in in that in that clip there that he's like, "Well, we might get it back with 40 seconds." So he thought he was going to be better off having to go, "Okay, say they punt it into the end zone so you get it back out." He thought with 40 seconds they could go, you know, 75 80 yards rather than converting a fourth. And I know it was I know probably that fourth down conversion was near impossible but he also talked about oh we'd come close to blocking a kick well which is more likely you're gonna block a punt when they know you're coming to block the punt or are you converting on that fourth down again I don't want to second guess him because I hate doing it but there was no shot of them yeah getting that back with 40 seconds and going down the field It wasn't like Wake Forest Army when nobody could stop each other. You had struggled to move the ball all game long. You got to just try. And I will give the kids credit because I watched a lot of the post-game interviews. And to a person, and good for them because they know better. They're superior because they understand in the military. They all said, oh, no, I trusted Coach Calhoun. Ball, you did not. You wanted to go for it. No doubt. No doubt. But they all were like, no, we trusted coaches. Coach Calhoun's the smartest. I mean, it was, I felt bad for these kids not being able to say what I was screaming is, why are you not going for it?
1: I'll never understand that with Bill Rowland. I will understand it. You no. can't convince me it was the right call, but somehow Troy Calhoun, he is a little bit of an odd duckling sometimes. Uh, it was an odd call. There's no other way to put it. But you mentioned, you know, the obviously punting it there, Air Force punting it back. San Diego State punter Matt Areza was, is advertised. He was a preseason or midseason, you know, All-American. Last week he had an 80-yard punt. He had an 81-yard punt in this game. He may have been the MVP of the game no for doubt. San Diego State. The, like you said, the way he flipped the field, because Air Force played pretty doggone good defense. But when you pin him back, I mean, he was just flipping the field. almost. I mean, he had another kick that was 60-plus. I think he's got 14 kicks this season or something that are like 60-plus uh, yards.
2: That's insane. He, he's, an insane. NFL, he's an NFL draft pick, and he may, he may go in the first three rounds. That's how good he is. That's what a difference he could be. In the NFL, that somebody may draft him in the third round. That's my—I yeah. I think so, anyway.
1: Here is what Troy Calhoun had. Troy Calhoun had to say about their punter, Mataresa.
0: Last week, he hit one against San Jose State. They're back there on the ten. Literally, it was an eighty-yard punt. So, you know, he's number one in the country. Came in at fifty-three-nine, I believe, and I think he probably is higher than that now.
1: I don't know if it was a bad omen for the Falcons in this game. Heisee Daniels intercepted on the very first drive for the Falcons, and then SDSU races out to a 13-0 lead at the half. But um, Air Force fights back and they get back in it, and they obviously had a had a chance, you know, late. Although we can argue, and we have that who gave that chance right back to San Diego State. Um, but again, it, we knew that this probably, at least on paper, was going to be one of the toughest, if not the toughest, uh, matchups that Air Force faced this year. Um, I mean, you some saw some of the game, Bill, we, we both watched it. Brady Hope bringing in a fourth linebacker and that. What they changed up defensively really changed in – took air force completely the running game took it they took it away they rushed for only 192 yards falcons was at were at 336 for the season brad roberts who is usually a a sure thing he struggled to get going seven carries 27 yards air force's running game could not get going and that was because they had minimum eight guys in the box every time playing with that fourth linebacker and that's something i think you know brady hogue a, a defensive mind a really i mean you could say they out-exited and owed because I don't think Air Force saw that one coming.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And I think it, you, you mentioned Ezek Daniels. I think it also hurt them that he went out in this game as well. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say it would have been different because he hadn't really done anything before the injury anyway. Two sure. of eight for nine yards in the pick. Uh, Warren Bryant came in. Actually did a decent job for them for, mm-hmm. for what he was asked to do. but. You're right. The main thing was Brad Roberts only averaging 3.9 yards a carry. As a team, they only averaged 4 yards a carry. Uh, and on the other side, they really couldn't do anything when San Diego State needed to get a play, uh, especially through the air. They weren't getting big chunk plays, but they were just accurate enough. Lucas Johnson, 11 of 13 for 72 yards. That's that's not a ton, but it's enough that when you had them in a 3rd and four, third and 5 situation... You couldn't stop them from getting six and seven Mm -hmm. through the air to keep moving the chains, hold possession. So it was just, I mean, it was a dogfight. I mean, that's what 20 to 14 is, an absolute dogfight. And unfortunately, Air Force ended up on the wrong end of it.
1: Yep, absolutely. Here's Air Force tight end Dalton King on simply having to move on and get ready for the next one. And it's a big one against Army for the Commander-in-Chief Trophy's second leg.
5: Yeah, I think it's just on to the next one. We, have, we got a championship to play for in two weeks, and um, what happens, happen. Um, and we, just have, we look on to the next person to be able to go after and uh, get what
1: needs to be done done. All right, once again, San Diego State, a 20-14 to 14 winner, the number 22. Aztecs now 7-0, 3-0 in the Mountain West Air Force, 6-2, 3-2 in the Mountain West Conference. All right, Bill, it's time to give out some game balls. I'm going to let you fire first here.
2: I'm going to go back to the Army game. Again, it was tough because obviously 0-3 for the Service Academy this week. But whenever your offense puts up 56 points, somebody has to get a game ball. So I'm going with Isaac Alston. Over 100 yards receiving, which you don't say that very often about a service academy wide Mm -hmm. receiver. Two touchdowns. His coach complimented him about some amazing plays. He had one, not on a touchdown, but on another reception where he tipped the ball up to himself over the Wake Forest defender and caught it for a first down. I mean, he had a tremendous day. So I'm going with Isaac Alston. Congratulations to him. Despite the 14-point loss to Wake Forest, he had an outstanding game.
1: He certainly did, and I'm going to stay in that game, and I'm going to go with the guy that was feeding Isaiah Alston the ball, Jabari Lewis, the quarterback for the Black Knights, 9 of 11. 143 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's not something you see very often. I know Army does not want to get into throwing the football that many times. They'd like to keep it at, at five attempts or less, you know, per game. But Jabari Lewis, no question, his favorite target on the day was Isaiah Alston you know, hauling in 106 of the 140 yards that Army or that Jabari Lewis threw for in the football game. And when you got a high-scoring affair like that, you got to think game balls are probably going in that direction, especially on offense. Bill. All right, let's step away. When we come back, play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman, Pete Medhurst is going to join us, the midshipman, in a Friday night lights tilt at Tulsa, out in the Lone Star States, or in Tulsa, at Tulsa, Navy 1-6, and 6, Tulsa 3-4, and 4, Friday night, 3.30 ESPN 2 kickoff. Uh, Pete Medhurst is going to talk about all kinds of stuff around the midshipman program, Service Academy Football, the American Athletic Conference. When we come back, we've got our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll that we'll wrap up, and we'll get out of here on this episode of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football.
5: In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the five words he spoke before leaving for his final deployment. If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. Words that live in veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians who go out of their way to find a way. Who help others with the help of others. Who bounce back after each setback who make good on good intentions. Through Travis Manion Foundation, if not me, then who are words that can live in you too. Show the world what your character is made of because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. That's travismanion.org.
2: Welcome back into Yards and Stripes, everyone. Bill Rohn along with Price Atkinson. Our pleasure to be joined by the voice of your Navy midshipman, Pete Medhurst, as they have a Friday night affair. It's almost like (laughs) the old high school days for some of these guys. Pete's Friday night under the lights. It's the only game in town. And I guess I want to start with uh, Navy's been playing better. They haven't gotten the wins necessarily that they want. But they've been playing better. For their last five games, they've covered the spread or won outright other than the one tough game Thursday night against Memphis. What's been the main difference? Has it really been that that Ty Lavatai has been that one guy that changes everything? Because I'll, be, I'll admit, after the Air Force game, I wasn't sure Navy would win or be competitive in another game this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think with our offense, <laughs> As anyone knows, the, the quarterback and the continuity of that position is so vital, and Ty is given us stability. And that's, I mean, look, he was the guy that won the job coming into the season, and that's why him getting hurt against Marshall um, was, was such a downer going into that Air Force game is, you know, all of a sudden you put, uh, again, service academy game pressure on Xavier Arline, who, you know, has really only played a minimal amount. I mean, the guy started in Army, and then oh, hey, we're gonna you're gonna start against the Air Force now, and it, that when you don't have that kind of continuity, it, it just hurts our offense. Ty's given us stability, and we knew we knew this August schedule was going to be a gauntlet. I mean, the the league is really good, uh, really top to bottom this year. Maybe as good as it's been top to bottom in a while in terms of the ability of teams to play. I mean, there's no easy stops in the league this year. Even South Florida, who's been a little bit of a doormat, has gotten up off that mat this year and, and played better football. But we knew we were playing all the top-heavy teams in October, and that 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 gauntlet has proven to be uh, very tough, and we haven't had any margin for error. And the problem is we've made just enough errors uh, in those games uh, to where Central Florida was the only game that we could pull out against a, a really good schedule right now.
1: So, B, we know that the quarterback obviously pulls the strings and this kind of offense has forever and always will in a triple option. But, you know, lavatize is the guy that's been identified is is the guy. How much is there a drop-off at that position? Because we know, you know, the Kaipo Noahs of the world, uh, Keenan Reynolds, Ricky Dobbs, I mean, is he cut out of that same cloth? Could he be that same kind of, you know, quarterback, you know, the, some of the, the great ones that Navy's had over the years? And then, you know, the B-back position is the other spot. It just doesn't seem like there's that, whether it's a bruiser or a, like a Kyle Eccle or an Adam Ballard, or there's not a guy that's with that breakaway speed at that B-back position. There's nobody to lean on at that fullback spot that Navy's had for years.
0: I think in terms of the breakaway ability, you're right. But I think at the same time, if you look at our running game right now, those B backs are our best players. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of consistency, Carlino Sacy's been terrific as an A back on the perimeter. Uh, but Isaac Ruas and James Harris have been able to at least give us something. They give us more of a, uh, I, I don't know, I don't even know if I call him a sledgehammer because Isaac Ruas reminds me a lot of Vince Murray. Uh, James Harris uh, is a guy that, you know, has the ability to get through the hole. Does he have, you know, Jamel Carruthers-type breakaway ability? Uh, you know, I mean, we could argue that. But they've at least given us something. In terms of Lovatai, if you go back and look at the last couple of years, we've depended on seniors, junior or senior, like Zach a B junior, senior, Malcolm mm-hmm. Perry, in 2019. Lovatai gives us the opportunity as a guy with a sophomore now to really build – with the position. Uh, bigger guy, more of a Will Worth type guy, and we know the success Will had, uh, leading us to an American Athletic Conference championship game against Tulsa. Has the ability to throw the football. We saw that last week, 11-15 against Cincinnati. You'll take that. Uh, you, ideally, you wouldn't like to throw 15 times, but we know to get defenses backed off, we got to throw a little bit, even if it's the short stuff that gets us, you know, short <laughs> Like running game, if you can get five yards, six yards on that on first down, it helps you keep the chains moving uh, along the way. And this week's going to be no exception. We play two terrific uh, defensive linemen uh, with Tulsa, and we're going to have to neutralize those guys in some capacity. And the short passing game is going to be vitally important. tie gives us that opportunity. I thought last week, ironically, against Cincinnati, he's got a terrific defensive front. Maje Sanders coming off the edge is a terrific player. You know, we did a decent job of protecting him, allowing him to get back, turn the shoulders, get square to throw the football. If we can do that here down the stretch, got a chance to win a few of these ball games uh, because he's got a chance to make some plays because I think we've got three guys at the wide receiver position in Cooper, Umbarger, and Walker who can go out there and make uh, the kind of plays uh, that are important uh, and, and make big plays against the type of teams uh, we're playing in the next few weeks.
2: Pete, how important was it back after the Air Force game that Navy had their bye week, the off week, with all the controversy that was going on with this team, <laughs> with the, you know, the athletic director coming down and basically firing the offensive coordinator and then having to go back uh, 24 hours later, and they changed their mind, they bring him back, but he's not calling plays, but he's working with the quarterbacks, I mean, There was a lot, as you know, that went on in about a 24- to 48-hour period that I imagine most teams, had they gone through it and had to play the next week, it could have steamrolled and just gone completely the other way. Seems like since that time, Navy's been playing their best football.
0: Well, I mean, Ivan Jasper's as good as he gets in this game at tutoring quarterbacks. Any team in the country uh, would welcome him into their offensive room to coach the quarterbacks. The guy's fantastic. You know, emotions run high. Um, I mean, let's face it. In college, in, in, in college athletics, and sports in general, uh, emotions run high. We see it in the pros all the time. Uh, you know, at the administrative level, uh, you know, sometimes there's there's conflict uh, with uh, administrations and coaching staffs, general managers, head coaches, things of that nature. Cooler heads prevailed. Um, men who are very good at what they do got in a room, discussed it like men. And hashed it out. And I think anybody you know knew that the path forward for us um, has been laid because Ivan Jasper has turned out quarterbacks all the time. We very seldom have had any drop off in the triple option era uh, at the quarterback position, and it's because of the job that he's done uh, at that spot. And I think that was a case of um, you know, men getting in a room and and hashing this out properly and cooler heads prevailed, and I think you're seeing the results of that because the quarterback play has gotten better. The offense has gotten better, and I'm, you know, look, uh, knowing all the principles involved, I know how competitive every one of those people are. You don't have to ever challenge their desire uh, to win, and, you know, I think that was just a case where emotions for a 24- to 48-hour period, uh, we're running very high, That we have great expectations at the Naval Academy. And as Kenny often talks about, you know, this is a results oriented business. It's about wins and losses. That's the only way. That's the only measuring stick that matters uh, when you're playing sports. Did you win? Did you lose? You can run for 450 yards and lose everybody. Oh, you ran for 450. Yeah, but we lost. So, you know, that's, that's ultimately what sports comes down to and it's a, it's a results oriented business and, I'm happy that all those men got in the room, talked about it, and cooler heads eventually prevailed because I think we are seeing um, the fruits of that labor and that coaching staff because the product has gotten better since that point.
1: So, one question for you, Pete. Um, we know Ivan, uh, Coach Ivan Jasper, has been up for some head jobs. You know, he was up for uh, George Southern several years ago. I've seen his name mentioned this time, but, you know, not to speculate, but where do you see coach jasper next year i mean after a situation like that happens you know yeah they got in the room they they talked it out which is what you want to do i mean do you think coach ivan jasper is a member of the staff next year or do you think that he might just say you know what it's time to maybe seek and look and look to see what else is really out there for me
0: i I mean that's a difficult question for me to answer just because i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm not his position i think Look, I think the one thing in, in college athletics, and and we all know this in, in the professions we're in, yeah. the best job is the one you have because you're guaranteed to have that job. You know, you step away and you walk away, you know, there's no guarantee somebody's going to hire you out there. I would think his resume certainly speaks for itself. I, I mean, I look, it's a school like Georgia Southern that still inter- wants to run the football, uh, still respects the triple option uh, the way they do, um, they'd be a fool not to, to interview him. Uh, because that's a guy that that could could do very well uh, with that offense, an offense that they appreciate uh, quite a bit down there at Georgia Southern. So, um, you know, I, I think it, as long as Ivan wants to be a member of the coaching staff at the Naval Academy, I think there's going to be a spot for him. Certainly, I think as long as Kenny Amatololo the coach, there's going to be a spot for him. Um, you know, you found that out here. But, I mean, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny went you know hard to you know defend his guy. Mm-hmm. And, You know i think i think as long as though i think as long as kenny's the coach i think ivan's gonna have a job and i think as long as ivan wants to be there um he's gonna have one because he's like i said he he's still one of the best in this country i don't care what you're running you can run spread option we run you know five wides ivan's gonna find a way uh to tutor your quarterback and, and get him ready to play yeah
2: Let's talk about this game tonight with Tulsa Navy 10 and a half point underdogs, which again, that hasn't meant anything. They were, you know, four touchdown underdogs of Cincinnati and gave uh, the Bearcats everything they could handle last week. Going in there that Navy's had success against Tulsa in the past. What are we expecting uh, for Friday night?
0: that's a great question the good thing is games on friday night we're a lot better on friday than we are thursday um, we haven't won on thursday since 2004 back in Air Force when marco nelson's running down the middle of the field wide open and Jeff Blumenfield uh bangs one through the uprights in, in the latter seconds for us to win in the american we're we haven't won on thursday night um fridays we're a little bit better uh we're, we're two and one in friday night games um, we're not good in the Friday games after Thanksgiving because it's usually at Houston, and we end up playing, you know, tough ball games. So, look, some of the numbers are in our favor playing on Friday as opposed to Thursday. Very simple to me. Uh, this is a Tulsa team that you know Philip Montgomery has done a terrific job. He probably won't get consideration for the Texas Tech job, but I think he should. I know Sonny Dykes at SMU is, but if Sonny Dykes says, "Wait a minute, I can do better than Texas Tech," I think Texas Tech should call Philip Montgomery. Guy did a great job when he was at Baylor. Uh, on the offensive staff there. I think with with the resources that are available to him at Tulsa, as small a school as it is, 2,800 people, I think he's done a terrific job at Tulsa under the circumstances. Dane Evans, of course, who's starring in Canada right now uh, as a quarterback, led them uh, to to a 10-win season uh, when he was playing for Coach Montgomery. I, I like what Davis Brin is doing right now, the junior uh, came in last year in a tough spot against Tulane, helped them win a ball game late. They've got explosiveness. I mean, you look at their, I mean, look, man, they got five wide receivers, all averaging double digits uh, per catch. Keelan Stokes seems like he's been there for years, but Josh Johnson at the top of that list right now, Sam Crawford Jr., Ezra Naylor, I mean, these guys are all uh, putting up big plays within the offense. Britton needs to be a little more accurate. I mean, he's 57%. He's thrown 10 interceptions. So the, the opportunity to get turnovers is there. Navy secondary, certainly battered by injury. We're on, like, our third set of safeties already this year. Uh, love the young player, Rayon Lane, uh, local product for us. Uh, Getting some time now as a freshman out there at the safety spot. Evan Gibbons played, thought a pretty solid game last week against Cincinnati. They had one <coughs> back that led to a touchdown pass. But the more they play, I think they're going to get better. So, to me, the question is, can we keep Shamari Brooks – uh, from dominating the game on the ground. He's averaging five yards of carry. As you know, if you give up five yards carry, the other teams will keep marching down the field on you. So we gotta stop the run first, and then we've gotta keep them from making explosive plays because it doesn't matter. Any of those five guys at wide receiver, man, uh they are they are dangerous. So the opportunity for points, you know, certainly is there. Good thing for us is we've with the exception of last year, and I, last year I completely threw out the window because of the pandemic for any team, doesn't matter us or anybody else, um, we've got to block Jackson player. I mean, it's as simple as that. He was a one man wrecking crew in Annapolis last year on that defensive line. He and Cullen Wick, both uh, terrific uh, defensive linemen. We cannot allow them to dominate the game individually at their positions uh, because if they do, it's going to disrupt the offense and really put us behind the eight ball.
1: All right, last one for me, Pete. Landscape of service academy football right now. Obviously, Nate, what you do with Navy play-by-play voice. We, we just assess the landscape right now. Army, Air Force—they're getting ready to meet coming up. Um, where is the state of the service academy football, especially in the, you know when you take the totality of what's going on,
0: Bryce? That's a great question i think the more it's funny I, I think college football the way college football is going it's really trying to leave the service academies behind because you know kenny talked about it this week uh, bill wagner asked him a question about all the transfers I mean, you look at every american roster they're littered littered with transfers tulsa's got like a sixth or a seventh year guy um you know desmond ritter sixth year guy you know playing quarterback in cincinnati last week i mean we're playing against rosters that are littered with guys coming from the FDC, the big 12, the ACC. And the one thing, and even when you look at little subtle things within the other academies, air force taken the opt outs last year and things of that nature outside of the kids that go to the prep school for us, you know, our administration does not, I mean, yeah, you know, we try to get you know we try to get Tago Smith a couple of uh, an extra year when he tore an ACL in Game One a couple of years ago. Yeah, you no, know, wasn't approved. Um, so you'd love to have fifth year guys in your program, but that's that's ultimately not what the mission of the Naval Academy is about. So I, I, I look at I mean, look, we're playing in the in the one of the most competitive conferences in the country right now. Our league has the number two ranked team in the country. It's <clears throat> is what it is. Um, we're going to continue to fight that battle to be competitive uh, in this league. Certainly Cincinnati moving to the big 12 is what it is. But I I, I look at what army army's using the exact same model price that we used in the the early two thousands under Paul, you know, play a bunch of, you know, look, if you're, if your fans are happy with you playing Bucknell and playing a lot of, you know, schools from all over the country, yeah, you go play a bye game every now and then, like they have with Oklahoma, like we used to with Ohio State. You know, they just went and played Wisconsin. They played a hell of a football game. Jeff's done a great job. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Um, you t- you look at the three guys coaching Service Academy football right now. I mean, these are these are three guys that know know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Jeff's a good coach. Troy's a fantastic coach, and, and Kenny's obviously his record speaks for itself uh, as well. I mean, at one point, I mean, dominated Service Academy football so badly. Um, that has forced the other schools to to do some things uh, in terms of uh, their program. So, you know, I, I think they the, the kids are always going to play hard. We're always going to get the guy that's too small, that's not quite as fast, yeah. um, not as heavy. So, you know, th- those are the guys we're always going to go to battle with. I don't see Air Force leaving the Mountain West anytime soon. I know we're not leaving the American. Army seems totally happy as an independent doing kind of what they're doing and winning. You know, eight or nine games and getting set to play Navy at the end of the year. So we know how big that game is, will always will be. And while these men are coaching it, I, I think it's always going to be outstanding football uh, when they play each other within the, the Commander-in-Chiefs uh, series. That's
2: Pete Medhurst, voice of the Navy midshipman. Pete, thank you for hanging out with us today here on Yards and Stripes. Good luck not only tonight against – or Friday night, I should say, against Tulsa, but also the rest of the way as well. I know, despite the record, Navy still got a ton to play for, including that Army-Navy game coming up December 11th. So, thanks for hanging out with us, and we will check in with you real soon. You got it. Good to be with you guys. Thanks to Pete Medhurst once again, the voice of the Navy midshipman. Coming up next here on Yards and Stripes, Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll.
1: Now it's time for our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor and remember a, a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And you can find out a lot more online at travismanion.org. They're doing work across the country, building character in future generations. And Travis Mannion is, is obviously something that's near and dear to my heart, As Travis Mannion was a midshipman that I worked with uh, years ago. And with the words that he said before deploying that final time, if not me, then who? And this week, I want to honor uh, a United States Air Force Academy graduate, Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Trebensick. And he was a class of 1993, um, and he was killed on August the 20th, 2021, uh, earlier uh, this year. And he was a commercial airline pilot from Hampton, New uh, Hampshire, And he was a member of the GEICO Skytypers air show team when he was killed when his plane crashed after departing from wilkes Barrow Scranton Airport uh, in Avoca, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, getting ready to perform at the Great Pocono Raceway Air Show. And his plane was traveling north when, according to the Associated Press, it suddenly uh, caught fire and crashed. Um, And he has survived by his wife, Sandy, who was also a veteran and military pilot. They lived together in New Hampshire, and as he was known by his friends as Trav, he um, was a former C-5 Galaxy pilot, loved to fly World War II-era planes, which was one of the plane of World War II-era plane that he was flying as a member of the Geico Skytypers. So we want to take the time to honor and remember uh, the sacrifices that those uh, that have come before us, have given, um, and Andrew, Andy, Travnasek, who loved to fly those World War II airplanes, um, unfortunately tragically died uh, here at home as a member of the GEICO Skytypers Air Show Team. And so we take this time to take a step back and honor and remember those uh, who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms, because as we all know, freedom is not free. And so, in conjunction with the Travis Mannion Foundation, honored to have them on board again this season with our TMF honor roll All right, welcome back. Appreciate Pete Medhurst, the play by play voice of the Navy midshipman, joining us. And Bill, Navy, one and six, one and four in the American Athletic, going to Tulsa, three and four, two and one in the league. A Friday night lights kickoff at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN2. And, Bill, you and I were talking a little bit earlier uh, about Navy covering in the last several games. Tulsa's giving 11 points in this football game, and this is in a, in a game where Navy is 4-0 all-time in games played at Tulsa. Food for thought there, folks. No,
2: and you heard Pete talk about it earlier that they're 2-1 mm-hmm. on Friday nights. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I might – I might want to take that 11 points. I, you know, It opened up, I think, 10, 10 and a half. so a lot of money apparently going over to the Tulsa side. But, yeah, the way that uh, Coach Ken has had them going here, again, for the last five weeks, they've covered and or won the game outright. They were in it against number two Cincinnati. Uh, I think they can stick around this game. Wouldn't shock me for them to win. I'm not predicting that they will go there and win, but... It's not like in the weeks past where I've thought, oh, they have no chance. And then they surprised me. You know, I thought Houston was going to boat race them. They stayed in it the whole time against Houston. I thought Cincinnati would demolish them. They stayed in it the whole time against Cincinnati. So no reason to think that they can't, you know, keep it close against this Tulsa team, get themselves a win, and and maybe they get on a little roll on the backside of the schedule because it is definitely easier than the front side was.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And Tulsa's won two in a row, three of the last four. And one thing to keep an eye on, the Golden Hurricane only lost two fumbles all season. So let's see what De- Diego Fago and the Navy defense can maybe do in forcing some turnovers. That's something nobody's really been able to do uh, with this Tulsa offense this year. Once again, Army and Air Force are off this weekend. They're both preparing for that Commander-in-Chief Trophy battle at Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. That one going to be next weekend. So we will preview that and everything next week as Army and Air Force are getting ready to do battle. But, Bill, uh, great job. This week, you know, appreciate Pete Medhurst joining us and, you know, we'll see what Navy can do a Friday night lights affair. I kind of like some college football on Friday nights. I know Thursday was always, I always kind of enjoy, you know, a nice Friday night game. And I think uh, we'll get to enjoy a pretty good American athletic conference game this Friday night.
2: Your channel flipper is going to get worn out. Cause you're going to be able to flip back and forth between the world series game and then Navy and Tulsa. So uh, I hope you got your batteries all juiced up and ready to go. Cause you're going to be doing a lot of previous channel, previous channel on Friday night.
1: Ready to go, baby batteries are jacked. They are ready. And I'll say is one thing, go Braves. But we'll leave that for right here, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Appreciate everybody downloading, listening, subscribing. Again, on Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Google Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts, search Yards and Stripes, and you can find Bill Rowland and myself, Price Atkinson, Service Academy Football, Yards and Stripes is what we're called, and we will see you again next week, folks.
0: Thanks
5: for being with us for this edition of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.
0: A reminder to find us on social media through Yards and Stripes and subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And we will catch you next time on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.